Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, we're back for another week of Killer Cocktails Podcast. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And we are doing a Mule Family Cocktail, so obviously we are drunk. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't funny. Oh no, that Um, wasn't funny. Let me tell you about Mule Cocktails. They're boozy. (laughs) Um, We're doing the Dark and Stormy. Those of you that have been listening since the beginning might remember... Moscow Mule episode. Oh, but they don't know the horror that happened. I feel like we talked about it in that episode, Uh though. But basically, 15 minutes of pure cackling giggles Uh weren't recorded. (laughs) And that was us attempting to tell the story of Moscow Mules. And then we got, we like got through it. And I was like, whew. And then I turned to you and I went, "Mm, we weren't recording that whole time. (laughs) And then we had to do it again, which Mm. I think almost made us gigglier. Yeah. Uh, that was the hardest episode. I was, I was telling the story earlier in the office. That was the hardest episode to, record, to, or to edit, edit for yeah. me personally. Um, it was just a mess. Because it was so funny. There were so many stupid <laughs> things I wanted to leave in. But they made no sense. No sense. Because it was all, yeah, yeah. choppy. Um, so anyways, this cocktail is the Dark and Stormy. Um, in case you don't know, you're going to need some dark rum. We do. We use the Kraken. Because mm-hmm. our co- co-worker was like, you have to use the Kraken. <laughs> <laughs> Can I? Okay, this is this has nothing to do with anything, cool. but the noise made me think of it. Do you remember being a kid and going to the grocery store? I'm gonna say it's probably Safeway, and you'd be in the produce section and you would hear, and oh, it meant that the they were spray? about to miss the vegetables. Yes, yes. It was it, if you caught the grocery store at that time, it do, felt magical. Do they not do? That I don't anymore? think they do it anymore. I have not caught a thunderstorm in a grocery store You're in right. a long time. Curious. I've caught the mist. I've caught them misting yeah, veggies. But, they don't but I don't do know that. why the why the amazing fun thunderstorm had to go away. Maybe it took away from the shopping experience. Let me tell you, it added for me. <laughs> um if you grocery shop in a place that still does <laughs> thunderstorms, yeah. you let us know. Let us know. I need to know. Slide into our DMs and let us know. Um okay, so we are doing the dark and stormy. Um the dark and stormy cocktail dark and apostrophe stormy is trademarked so you have to use gosling rum <laughs> so we did the dark and stormy yeah uh, i don't do... care for trademark drinks <laughs> let me just say that yeah uh so what we did is two ounces of uh dark kraken rum we did a half ounce of fresh lime juice we did some ginger ale beer in there mm-hmm. it was good yeah yeah we used okay so credit where credit's due mm-hmm. Our friend Aaron, A.A. Mm. Ron, A.A. Ron done messed up. He likes, like, he he's not a big drinker, not mm-hmm. a big cocktail guy, yeah. but he loves Dark and Stormy. Yeah. So that's like his little guilty pleasure. And we were asking him, we're like, hey, we're going to make these later today. What's your recipe? And he's like, oh, I'm not going to, oh, I'm not going to tell you exact measurements. No, no he's you like, eyeball it. He's eyeball it. He's like, I'm going to do half the cup of, we're like, half the cup of rum? He Yo, like, no, yeah, no, no, the no. way he was speaking, we're like, you're crazy. <laughs> He's not crazy. He was, and then like he ended it with, it has to be in a copper cup, uh-huh. like a Moscow mule. 
So he has a very particular way to do it, and that's exactly what we did. So we did the the Kraken, which he suggests as your dark room. He loves Kraken. And mm-hmm. why does he love Kraken, Drea? Why? You don't remember this? No. He's got a friend that lives either in a, I think, in a tiny home. Uh-huh. And Oh, yeah. His friend lives in a tiny home and in spaces to be cherished. Uh-huh. Um, and his friend keeps Kraken as his rum because of the bottle. Uh-huh. You can hang it by the like octopus arm weird little loopadoo. Uh-huh. So they hang it from like cordage. Hang like it's strictly because there's no shelf space for it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Kraken has a great handle. Okay. Um, I've been tasked with the history of the dark and stormy. Mm-hmm. So I found an article on Esquire.com. Esquire is a very large publication. And it was written so sillily <laughs> that I'm just going to read it. This is straight up from Esquire. Like, okay. Esquire, Verbatim. here's your credit. Uh, the Dark and Stormy Cocktail was not born from the windy blackness of London. Oh, nor was it created in barroom catering to the alcoholic needs of woebegone writers. In fact, it has nothing to do with bad literary tropes and gothic language. The Dark and Stormy is a drink that came to be in the Caribbean waters, where rum is plentiful and so are sailors. It's a drink that was split out by the sea, more or less. It's a drink with a really cool name. So essentially they're saying there's not a ton of history to it. To make a Dark and Stormy, it's three ingredients. Those are a black spiced rum, Mm -hmm. so a dark spiced rum. Do Kraken. Do Kraken. We recommend Kraken. Make a dark and... Stormy. Stormy and, and use do the cock and bull. Ginger. And cock and bull is your, yeah. as your, excuse me. Uh, if you like that strong ginger, it's so taste. spicy. Yeah. I love it. Uh, anything dark. Uh, oh, according to Esquire, anything dark and funky will work. <laughs> Great. Uh, officially speaking, according to Esquire, uh, it is frowned upon to liven up your dark and stormy with lime juice, but we appreciate the layer of citrus. I thought that's part officially of it. according to Gosling's. Uh huh. Oh no, you're supposed to put. Wait, are they just saying it's the rum and the ginger beer? According to Gosling's, no lime juice. Hmm. So their trademark drink is the rum and the ginger beer. Curious. Lime juice is the dark and stormy, which mm-hmm. is what we have made, uh, which does not have any sort of litigious nature to it. Ooh, Gosling's goes after competing beverage companies that try to rip off the name. Oh. With their own rum brands. On some menus, you'll find a cocktail called the Safe Harbor, <laughs> which is basically a dark and stormy without the legal baggage. <laughs> I actually kind of love that. That's awesome. Because you, you're doing opposites just as a big just like. Just calm down. Yeah. Uh, for all of the like drama that surrounds the name and like being trademarked and whatnot, the dark and stormy, uh, it's actually, it's kind of like the background, according to Esquire, is kind of lame. In 1806, an early Gosling mem- uh, family member sailed from England to Virginia, but he didn't make it to America. The sea was too still. Not enough wind for your sails. So the ship headed to the nearest dock instead, which happened to be in Bermuda. There, he used his family background in spirits and whatnot to create a recipe for Gosling's aged black rum. On another part of the island, after World War One, so that's like one little part of the history, naval officers, British naval officers, were brewing up ginger beer to combat seasickness. Apparently, it makes your belly feel better. They swirled the two together in a cup. A sailor originally commented that it looked the color of a cloud only a fool or a dead man would sail under. Mm. 
and the dark and stormy was christened. Many things disappear into the Bermuda Triangle, but the dark and stormy was one thing to come out of it. (laughs) So I think the, so what sounds like from the histories, the original is straight up just ginger beer and spiced rum inside Mm -hmm. of it. Um, What's the, do you know the limerick, the like, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky at morning, sailor take warning. Have you heard that? Yeah. Why do I know that? So if you get like one of those like red, crazy, beautiful sunsets, yeah. you're going to have, in theory, you're going to have a really great, beautiful weather day the next day. Mm-hmm. And if you have a red, stormy morning, it's going to be the ba- red wedding. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for a story? I'm ready for a story that mm-hmm. is hinged on murder. Murder. I don't know if there'll be murder in this one. What'd you just say? There's just, no murder? No, I'm kidding. Of course there's murder. <laughs> you silly fool. Um, in this first sentence, I'm going to get a name wrong. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm so excited because you told me there's a couple times you might be tripping up. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you, Drea. What's up? It's charming. <laughs> sure. Murder. Okay. So, Jackie, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a murder story. So, first of all, I'm going to tell you about Dr. Arthur Duperalt. We have a doctor. Uh-huh. He is 41 years old, and he's an optometrist from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Touching eyeballs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He is married to Jean, who is 38 years old. and they Jean? Have... J-E-A-N? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my sister's is name. Sister? You never okay. come across it. <laughs> It's an old lady name. Okay. So he's married to Jean and they're married and they have three children. We got Brian, who's 14. We have Terry Joe, who's 11, and Renee, who's seven. Interesting name choices. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Arthur has always dreamed of sailing around the tropics with his family. He had actually sailed down like in the area during World War II while serving in the military. Okay. Um, So he's always like kind of fantasized to go back there. He wants to to feel the sea salt in his hair. So they decide to go on a sailing vacation to the Bahamas. So they head down to Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) You got it. I almost had it. (laughs) So they head down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and they charter a boat called the Bluebell, which is 60 feet long. So it's, it's a big boat. It's a big boat, yeah. So the plan is to see how they do it at, at sea, essentially, okay. for about a week. And if all went well, they were going to extend their vacation. That's kind of smart planning on their part. Yeah, yeah. They're going to, like, put their toes in, yeah, see how yeah, things yeah. go, blah, 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 blah. So the ship is skippered by this guy named Julian Harvey, who is 44 years old, and he is a decorated World War II and Korean War pilot. And uh, he's manning the ship with his wife, Mary Dean, who is 32 years old. Um, and a little aside about their relationship, uh, they just got married in June of that year, and uh, Mary is Julian's sixth wife <laughs> to kind of after five comes six <laughs> yeah <laughs> how old is he he is 44 oh yeah he's and, wasting no time so here's here's my take on that yeah he doesn't date 
women, mm-hmm. he marries them. He marries them, yeah. So instead of just having a relationship uh-huh. and having that relationship not work out mm-hmm. and break up with them, he marries them. He marries them. And then goes through the He divorce. makes it far yeah. more legally complicated mm-hmm. than he needs to. Yeah. He's a romantic. Yeah. He's a romantic. And I, I had conflicting stories here, but a couple of the stories said that uh, Arthur and his family went down and they come, not come here. They like hired on Julian. Okay. And other ones said that Julian and him served in World War II together. Okay. And they were, they were old buddies or acquaintances okay. or whatever. Yeah, Anywho, yeah, yeah. He is manning the ship. He's going down with his family. If you, if you, and I don't know what, at what level these weddings are at, but if you got invited to someone's sixth wedding and they're in their mid 40s. How nice a gift are you buying them? It's a party wedding. <laughs> right? Oh, no. Got lost in the mail. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not getting you a gift. No. No. Okay. Or or it's... Anyway. I'm using you a $5 gift card to Chanel <laughs> Sancho. <laughs> Have some tacos. Uh, um, so, anywho, they're down there. They're sailing around. Everything is going according to plan. And they depart on November 8th of 1961. 61. All mm-hmm. right. I'm taking a little bit back here. So over the next four days, Julian sails them east toward the tiny island chain of uh, Benini, uh, then farther east to Sandy Benini Point. Benini or Bimini? That one. I don't know. Same difference. We told a story. Like, I think in the first episode, I told a story where they went to, and Susan at work uh-huh. came <gasps> up and she was like, I kept laughing at how you kept pronouncing Is that. Is it Bimini? Now uh, I think it's not. Bimini. Now I think I said ben- it wrong. Bimini. Bimini. Bamini. Is there an N in it? It's B I M I N. Wait, no. B I M I N I. Yeah. I was saying Bamini. Bamini. Maybe it's B. Susan, <laughs> go ahead and correct me again. Here you go. I don't know what it is. So, over the next four days, Julian sails east toward the tiny island chain of Bamini. Susan. Then farther east to Sandy Point. A village on the southern western tip of Great Apico Island. And Arthur and his family are having the best time. They're snorkeling. They're playing on the beaches. You, you know. So from Key West, like from Florida, mm-hmm. you can get to Bimini pretty yeah, yeah, quickly. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So early Sunday, Arthur and Julian and his wife stop by the office of Sandy Point Village Commissioner Roderick W. Pinder to fill out forms for leaving for the Bahamas and returning to the United States. So they're okay. about to end their uh, yeah, vacation. Yeah. It's got to be weird sailing places and like international waters mm-hmm. and like yeah. how do you get your passport stamped? And So Arthur tells the commissioner that this has been a once in a lifetime vacation and we'll be back before Christmas. Like he's in love with he's this. He's stoked he, on the it. The sea has taken him. Yeah. He is, Woo! I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So they head back to the boat. And Mary prepared. Again, he's a real romantic guy. <laughs> yes. The sea has captured his heart. <laughs> so they all head back to the boat. Mary prepares a dinner for everyone. This is Julian's wife. What's the dinner? Sixth wife. Oh, oh, actually, no. It's like chicken and something salad. Oh, I can't start. Okay. Okay. So anywho. It's not okay. shrimp. It's not shrimp. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so- I was excited for some sort of sea culinary affair. <laughs> So they all stay up talking, except for Terry Joe, who's the ma- middle child, in case you forgot. Oh, I did forget. I thought okay. Mary Joe was an old lady. No, no, no. Her name is an old lady name. Terry Joe. Okay. So Terry Joe. And she's like nine-ish, eight-ish? Yeah. Okay. Eleven-ish. All right. Okay. So she heads back to bed at around 9 p.m.-ish, and she goes below deck to sleep in a small cabin at the back of the boat. Um, Terry Joe is sleeping. Oh, we're getting to the murder. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. 
You're so excited. The, yeah, I, <laughs> I do honestly sometimes get lost in your story and forget that uh-huh. it will end in murder. Yeah. Uh, when so, it gets real detailed, I go, oh, no, oh, this is from a crime I report. Hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> um, so Terry Joe is sleeping when she hears her brother yelling, help, daddy, help. She also briefly hears running and stamping noises. Okay. And then silence. She lays in her bed terrified. And after about five minutes, Terry Joe leaves the cabin and she sees her mother and brother on the floor, not moving. And there is a pool of blood around them. <sighs> so slowly, Terry Joe climbs the stairs and she sticks her head out of the hatch. She sees more. So she's looking outside now. Mm-hmm. She sees more blood. And she also sees a knife. She climbs on deck and she turns toward the front of the boat. And suddenly, Julian... The captain. Can we recap real quick? Yes. Because I got lost. Yeah. How many people, in theory, were on this boat? We got Arthur and his wife. And their three kids. And their three kids. And then we have Mary and Julian. And, and Mary and Julian are how, like, how married. oldish? They're uh, married. 44 is Julian in, I want to say, early 30s. And the know. family, they're... 30s, 40s, and then kids are okay. 14, so 11, So Julian and, and his wife, he's the dude who's in his 40s mm-hmm. on his sixth wife. Mm-hmm. And he's up captaining the boat mm-hmm. with his family. Mm-hmm. So he's Captain Ron, mm-hmm. and the family's not got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's looking up a deck. She sees a bunch of blood. Um, suddenly, Julian lunges at her and slaps her across the face and tells her to get below deck. Okay. Pause. Okay. He could be a criminal who mm-hmm. just cr- committed a crime, and he's mm-hmm. slapping. Or I need you to get. I need you to get he's safety. He's taken control of the situation yeah. and he doesn't care that he's slapping a kid she needs to get into a place that's not dangerous yes she needs to get below deck yes exactly. it could be taken either way exactly exactly no so terry joe runs back to her bunk and she hides it under i the covers. am dying to know what happens okay okay i'm gonna <laughs> I'm on the you. edge of my seat nope sorry i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> <laughs> no i'm gonna i am gonna tell you okay here we go so <laughs> you're, you're so sad Okay, so Terry Joe, she runs back under her bunk and she like under the covers and she's hiding. And so she knows that uh, at, at this point, who has she seen in blood? Her mom and her brother. One brother. She she heard someone yell for her dad, but mm-hmm. she doesn't know where her dad is. Mm-hmm. And there's another sibling. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Should I start again? No, I'm just, this is me. This is how I listen. Okay. So then she hears the sound of water rushing into her room. She can see that it's actually a mixture of water and oil, and she realizes that the boat is starting to sink. Water and oil? Like engine oil. Yeah. So she can see the dark, murky oil coming into the water. And oil and water is mm-hmm. kind of obvious when they're... Mi- yeah. Oh, my... Okay. And she's 11. Yeah, so, she's 11. Mm-hmm. So as she's looking at the water... I'll bet you can smell it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's looking at the water, and she's trying to decide what to do next, and she sees Julian appear in the doorway. Julian's the 40-year-old the captain. dude. Okay. And she can see he's holding a rifle. And he has slapped her. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Julian turns around and walks away and goes back up to the what? upper deck. What? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. So to an 11-year-old's memory, mm-hmm. while traumatic things are happening, mm-hmm. She sees stuff. She goes up. He slaps her in the face. Mm-hmm. Go back to your room. She does. It gets scary. 
in the doorway, there's the scary guy who slapped her with a gun, and then he leaves. Okay. Okay. So Terry Jo is still sitting in bed when the water reaches her mattress. So she I'm getting Titanic flashes. (laughs) Yeah. So she jumps off the bed and she climbs the stairs in waist deep water. And she can see the ship's dinghy in rubber life raft mm-hmm. floating beside the boat. It's time to get in those. Yes. And she kind of just shouts out just to the air like, yeah. oh my God, is the ship sinking? Okay. Maybe I missed this. Yeah. She's an 11 year old. Yeah. Is this her first time on a boat or yeah. is her I, I family say, boaters? No, no. Because I think her dad was like, this is what I used he to was be down taken in this by area. the idea yeah. of the sea. I used to be down there during the war. I want to take my family down there. I've always wanted so to do this. So it's not like she's some super competent, seaworthy mm-hmm. gal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is just an 11 year old mm-hmm. trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So she yells this out. She's like, is the ship sinking? And then she hears, yes. And looks behind her and sees Harvey, aka Julian, the captain. Right Julian behind Harvey. Her. Yeah. Okay. And then. This is her third time seeing only this guy. Mm hmm. Is the boat sinking? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. And then he pushes the line. Why would, if okay. if he's coming up as a killer, mm-hmm. why three times now is she allowed to live? Continue. Okay. So he pushes the line to the dinghy into her hands. And he's like, hold on to this. Just like, hold this. He's saving her. He's saving her. But then, but then Terry Joe lets the line slip out of her fingers. Because she's little. She's little. The dinghy slowly starts drifting away from the sinking bluebell. Oh, my God. Julian jumps overboard to catch it, and he and the dinghy start drifting away. Okay. Okay. So, that can be read one of two ways. Mm-hmm. He's saving himself, and he mm-hmm. jumps out, and he's... Or he's trying to grab it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Terry Joe is now alone on the sinking boat, and she remembers the cork life float that is still bobbing nearby. So she rushes over to the life float and unties it and leaves the bluebell to completely sink into the ocean. Wow. So. Sharks. Terry Joe is on this float with no water, no food, and she only has a thin shirt and PJ pants on. I hate it. <laughs> Here's the first one. Yep, yep. <laughs> and the natural waves of the ocean are splashing onto the float, causing her to get wet. Yeah. Yeah. So this girl. So she makes it through the night and she wakes up and she's still just alone in the middle of the ocean. I need to interrupt you. Oh, oh sure. Okay. <laughs> Don't answer me. Okay. Because other people aren't like me. Okay. But in this moment, if we were reading a book, uh huh, I can't handle where I am emotionally right now. Uh huh. I would go. I would skip ahead. Are you to make, shitting me? I am. Are you shitting me? You go to the end. I am a spoiler. like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> psychopath. What is wrong with you? I have to know that she lives or dies. No, I need no, like. No, I will no, skip to no, the end of the chapter. No, no, not always. Not always. But when it like gets me good enough, and like right now in this moment, I kind of need to know that this little girl no. lives. I would go. I would skip like three pages to see if she lives. This is like when I was reading Harry Potter, and I opened the book, and all of a sudden I heard I saw Dumbledore dies, and I was like, "No!" That's what happened to you. Yeah, that happened to that you. That happened to me because my mom would take me to the like book release at midnight every time, oh. and I would like read through the night, and I got to, but I accidentally opened the book to that page. That my heart hurts. Would for you. you have like thumb no? Through? I mean, I read that, but like it got scary. But I, I mean, I'll 
books uh, affect me emotionally. Like I definitely, yeah. I was reading that book that happened and I, I just, <laughs> I threw the book across the room and hit the wall. It yeah. fell to the floor. Yeah. And I remember sitting in that moment, like breathing heavily. And I went, oh, I can't, do, I, I just turned the light off and I went to bed. <laughs> I just can't handle and it. And I brought it back the next day. Yeah. I was too upset. Like rewind story. Obviously we're giving spoilers for Harry Potter right now. <laughs> But my buddy, when Harry Potter came out at midnight that night, the next day, and he was not a Harry Potter fan, but he's driving to work the next day, and this is in the bay, unfurled across (gasps) a freeway overpass is a a banner that just goes, Dumbledore died. (laughs) That's horrible. What a dick shit. Yes. Frank read it, and he was like, oh, people are the worst, because he knew what it meant to people. Yeah. That's fucked up. Okay, so, yeah, but let me tell you, that's how invested in this story I am, that I'm very upset that this girl, I need to know how it happens, and Mm -hmm. if I was reading a book, again, I don't always do this, but in this moment, in this story, Mm -hmm. I'm a cheat, I'm a flip, that's how much I love spoilers. Guess what? People hate spoilers, I love spoilers. Guess what? She loves? I'm not going to tell you any spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) So... Terry Joe is on this float with no water, no food, and she only has a thin shirt and PJ pants on. Okay. And the natural waves of the ocean are splashing onto the float, causing her to get wet. Yeah, which makes you colder. Yes. So she makes it through the night and she wakes up and she's still just alone and in the middle of the ocean. It's kind of... Uh, I need to know what temperature it is. I'm going about to. I'm literally about no, to tell you. No, you're not. Yes. So the sun rises and the temperature gets up to 85 degrees. Okay, I was thinking we're like down in the 40s. No, but listen, and she has no shelter from the sun. She's just on oh, this dinghy. now the heat is a problem. Yes, yes. Yeah, she she has no. She doesn't really have clothes to make. No, nope, oh. nope. so she starts. Getting, and she's 11. She doesn't really know how to do that. Yeah. So she has. The super bad sunburn, like forming. Yeah, it'll and, you can and, get thirty degree burns out of yes, the sun. And the raft is starting to break apart, which means that parts. What's this of, raft made out of? No, this is like a, a like a dinghy. This isn't like a light. But dinghies nowadays, dinghies are all inflatable. Yeah, but so this in, is like a fifties dinghy, a sixties dinghy. Sixties, yeah. Okay. And what's his face took the the real one away. So she's oh in this, she's like, in the like that's right. What'd you call it? Kind of float. Yeah, I don't kind even of know thing. What that means. Well, it's like kind of like um, it has webbing in the center. So it's oh. like a weird inner tube kind of thing. Oh. And so the sea is kind of like ebbed and flow away from this like webbing. Okay. And so her legs and her feet are kind of now in the water. And par- Shark Town, USA. And parrotfish are now starting What to, are parrotfish? Are starting to bite at her. What are parrotfish? I don't know. They're fish that bite. I'm Googling it. <laughs> how do you, how can you hear, read that and not wonder? I don't know. They didn't sound like sharks. So I didn't have an... Oh, you're crazy. <gasps> Ew. <laughs> they have weird mouths. Oh, they're kind of pretty. But they're eating you. But let me tell you, they look like a fish out of the 80s. <laughs> they are like neon. They're tropical. Look, They have disgusting looking mouths. And like mustaches. <laughs> Gross. They have neon. This. I'm just going to show you one photo. Okay. This is a real picture. I think so. Don't show me. I think this is real. (laughs) 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 
Hello, I must must ask you a question. They are super bright colored. They have disgusting mouths. That's stupid. So she gets through the first day and she goes to sleep. And then it's Tuesday and she sees a small red plane circling overhead. And she tries to wave it down and it starts to dive toward her. Close enough that she can read the side of the plane. And it says? However, the pilot doesn't see her and the plane leaves. Oh, come on. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She shouldn't have a flare gun. She would not she, use she it if have, she had no, it. No, she doesn't have anything. She's nothing. She's got pajamas. So that afternoon, she's floating along and then she sees dark, big shapes in the water about 30 yards out from her. Dark, big shapes. Mm-hmm. Okay. They start to get closer and closer. And then she sees that they are dolphins. You're the worst. <laughs> dolphins are human friends. Yes. Yes. So they, they like a pod kind of swims up Imagine, next to her. Okay. Yeah. You're a kid. You're mm-hmm. having the most trying time of your life yeah. by a thousand. Mm-hmm. And then a pod of dolphins mm-hmm. shows up. Yeah. There's like a little magic to that. A little bit. Yeah. And so this pod actually like swims alongside of her for a couple hours hot dog they're like okay what you doing human what you doing we're trying yeah, to they're save inquisitive you. creatures yes. um so again she falls asleep dolphins are bad they have gangs and they like oh rape lady dolphins they're yeah. bad but it's the animal kingdom and i'll give them some grace period i do love dolphins yeah okay but so, they're like they're like otters they're bad okay so <laughs> <laughs> little zoology 101 for you perfect okay so again she falls asleep and then she wakes up, and it's Wednesday, and it's super hot still, and her eyes and her skin are hurting. She's eleven, so bad. Can you imagine the dryness of your eyes? And she hasn't had anything to drink—no food, no water, nothing. She's—we're getting to the end. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go mm-hmm. much longer. So on top of all that, her muscles are aching because in order for her to stay on the float, she has to balance on the edges of Shut the raft. Up. So she's like spider monkeying it on this Because she doesn't want to be in the in the water the with water the parrotfish. Eat, no, yeah. Because they're nibbling at yes. her. Yes. Um, and she has to balance because, again. Would you be punching at those fish? Like, let's put now Drea. Yeah. Yes. If you're in a webbing. So obviously you're going to try and like Spider-Man it yeah. as well. But you're also like aching and tired. Yeah. You're an adult. You have Drea's brain right now. Yeah. Yes. If these fish are nibbling at you, like, I would be like, yes, <laughs> I'd be face punching these fish. Get away from me. Yeah. Eventually, you'll get sick of getting punched in the face and you'll stop nibbling me. I mean, the new ones come in. Anywho, so this raft, like we were saying, the the webbing has broken apart. And on top of that. The webbing is broken apart? Yeah. She, the, that's why her legs and shit are in there. I was imagining a saggy middle. Mm-mm. No, it's more like you know when you're like one of those tubes and you're floating down the river and yeah, you yeah. got a saggy middle. But imagine those tubes with the with the webbing inside, so you can still pee. I feel bad for this girl in your inner tube. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the okay. waste is not a problem. Yeah, we got plenty of ocean. Okay, so on top of all of this, she starts to hallucinate because she's yeah yes. So she, like, on top of the, all of this, she's yeah, trying to imagine yeah. everything that had happened to her. Okay. And things that are, she, like, imagines that she sees someone rescuing her and she, like, goes I to them. I have to know what happens next. So another day passes and now it's Thursday. And all night she's been thrown around in these huge waves. Mm-hmm. But somehow she manages to stay afloat and then the morning comes. Uh, so she can barely move because she's so tired. And she can barely keep her eyes open, 
when all of a sudden this huge shadow looms over her and she opens her eyes and it's this huge ship big like a big ship yes like a what do you call it like a like a tanker yeah Ooh, that can kill you. And she looks up and she sees the crew waving down at her. Oh, they saw her. And she's finally rescued. Okay. Okay. Where's her ship? How many miles away from her ship are we? Did sink? It sank. It sank. It's four days from when she sank. Four days from when the bell Mm -hmm. sank and the other dude floated away Mm -hmm. on a dinghy. Yeah. He's going to come back. So now I'm going to tell you about Julian. Please do. (laughs) So, the day after the uh, Blue Bell sinks, Julian is saved. So, Tuesday. Yeah. And he's in his raft and he's floating along. And then uh, a Puerto Rico-bound oil tanker finds him. He gets scooped up right away. But he's not alone. What? He has Mary's dead body with him. Wait, wait, wait. Mary's his wife? Mm-hmm. His sixth wife? Mm-hmm. Okay. Her, her dead body is with him. So the girl saw him jump into the water and get mm-hmm. into it. Like, she didn't see a dead body. She mm-hmm. didn't see, like, she saw a dude jump and try and get a dinghy. Mm-hmm. So can my assumption be that Mary's body was already in the dinghy? We don't know what happens. Okay. Okay. So Julian tells the crew that his name is Julian Harvey, and he is the master of the Bluebell. Okay. He tells them that he found Mary floating in the water, and he tried to unsuccessfully revive her possible he then tells the coast guard in miami that his he is the sole survivor of a grave boating accident he said that he had gotten stuck in a huge storm in the middle of the night it was dark and stormy dark and stormy but you have a better tie tie. (laughs) all right okay and then a huge gust of wind came and it damaged the boat um his wife mary and the whole family he was with uh, were injured when the mass in the rigging collapsed. Gas lines in the engine room ruptured and the ship caught on fire as it slowly sank. I mean, that kind of matches her, the girl's story. Yeah. Julian said he had managed to launch the dinghy and raft and dive overboard, but tangled rigging trapped everyone else on board. Okay. In the meantime, Terry Joe is taken by helicopter to a Miami hospital. Let's rewind time. Can you bring me back to... When Julian jumped after the dinghy, mm-hmm. so we, Terry, Joe, and Julian saw each other three times. Mm-hmm. There was come up aboard, slapped her, she mm-hmm. went back down. Then there was the gun. Mm-hmm. He walked by with the gun. Then she's up aboard, mm-hmm. and he jumps to the dinghy. Mm-hmm. Did they interact before he jumped to the dinghy? Mm-mm. So no, well, besides, besides him handing her the line to the dinghy, he's like, here, hold this. She lets oh, go. Oh, so it's not like he could pretend and say, I didn't ever see her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She yeah. was a part of him getting the dinghy. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So in the meantime, Terry Joe is helicoptered to Miami Hospital. Because she's dehydrated and uh-huh, yeah. burned. And- a week after her rescue, she tells officials what really happened. Okay. She tells them how her father, mother, brother, and younger sister, along with Julian's wife, Mary, were killed by Julian. Okay. A few days later, Julian hears that Terry Joe has survived. And so he checks into a motel under a false name and commits suicide with a razor blade. Ooh. Okay. So he's now yeah. passed away. It was later found out that Julian had survived a car accident that killed another of his six wives and her mother, and that his yacht 
Torbatros in his powerboat Valiant had sunk under suspicious circumstances. Okay. Yielding large insurance settlements. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So he... Okay. So police begin to suspect that Julian originally just wanted to kill his wife, Mary, for life insurance money. And this other family got looped in on it. Mm Mm-hmm. But Arthur... Terry Joe's father caught him in the, the act of killing Mary. Oh. And so he had to kill everyone to cover up his crime. Okay. But why does Terry Joe get to live? So there was kind of a thing where people were talking about how Julian wanted to be caught, like subconsciously, blah, okay. blah, blah. Okay. And then there was this thing where Terry, uh, he had given Terry Joe the, the line to the dinghy <coughs> and he jumped in. Because he knew the dinghy was getting away and that was their only lifeline. Okay. So he jumped in after the lifeline, got on the dinghy, and was like, she's going to die anyways with the boat. I don't need to worry about her. Yeah. But, like, he obviously, he, there was a knife on board. He stabbed the mother, the other child. So you, you what you're saying is he didn't feel like he needed to do the aggressive move mm-hmm. in killing her because he felt she like. She was going to perish. He's, he's, he doesn't have to worry about mm-hmm. her as a witness. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair assessment of that situation. She shouldn't have lived. And I want to say, I don't know if this is to be true, but I want to say the wreckage hasn't been found. The bodies haven't been found. The ocean is deep. Yeah. Um, So we know for sure the mother, her mother and her sibling is dead, but we're not sure about the father and the other sibling. Um, So, but we do know he has passed on. So Terry Jo returns to Green Bay to live with her father, sister, and three cousins. And nearly 50 years later, in 2010, Terry writes a book about her ordeal in, uh, in a book called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean. Dang. So if you want to get more details yeah. about this crime, go ahead and check out that book. And that is the murder of the Duperalt family. Dang. Mm-hmm. Page Turner. Dude, you were so excited. <laughs> I was worried about that little girl. No, and then, like, uh, I don't know if I'll post these, but you can see photos of her. Like, they took photos of her coming up to the boat. And Being she's rescued. just burned and terrible. Oh, it is so sad. And, like, uh, to think you got away with it, you, uh, for Julian to get away yeah. with it, to sail with his dead wife's body yeah to bring her for proof that she was dead so he could get the insurance money because without a body she's not truly dead and he wouldn't get the insurance that's the only reason why he took her body i hate it that's Mm -hmm. terrible yeah it's even sadder if you think that julian and arthur had known each other before like had served together like okay Let's be completely flip about it. Mm. You're going to murder your wife and, and your sixth, you're going to murder your sixth wife and get the money from it. Why in the world does that have to involve this other family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A whole family. Yeah. Don't murder your wife. Yes. Step one. You could just divorce. This weird greed. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. It's break time. You guys, we are back from our break. We are back from our break. Yeah. I have a murder story for you, Jaya. <gasps> I love murder. Okay, now I get to sit back, relax, like all y'all at home. I'm mm-hmm. excited. Here we go. Tell me a story. I'm going to tell you about William Vincent Brown. Cool. I would love to give you like a date of birth and information mm-hmm. about him. Mm-hmm. 
I could not. Normally, I'm going to say this is the first time I've ever like looked up a murderer where they didn't have like a Wikipedia page mm-hmm. about their crimes and about them. Mm-hmm. William Vincent Brown. Cool. Um, okay, so I found this story because there's a show that came out la- like May of last year and it's called Dead of Night. Okay. So essentially that's kind of my tie was I was looking for murders that happened at night when it's dark. Oh. Not necessarily stormy, but I was looking uh-huh. for like dark night. nighttimey. So this so William only attacked people at night. Okay. Um the reason that this show was called Dead of Night. Um so are you familiar with um Investigation Discovery Channel? Oh, no. Like, it's a no, channel no, no. called ID. Okay. I don't have cable, so I'm unfamiliar with this. Um, it's all true crime stuff. Oh. So on this channel, if you flip to it at any given time, you're going to watch old 2020 episodes, old 48 hours episodes, um, like reruns of true crime stuff, mm-hmm. and new made for just this channel documentaries and shows mm-hmm. so it's all it's true crime all the time mm-hmm. sounds like if you have cable About check it. it out yeah um so the premise of this show so uh dead of night there are two baltimore reporters uh and they're going to tell the story in this in like arcing show episode of a serial rapist murderer um that was kind of throughout the early aughts, so like early 2000s. So part of what struck me about this is, and I didn't have time to watch, like I wanted to go watch all the, and I just, I figured it out too late, so I didn't have time to, but when we, at the end, when we talk about what we're watching, that's on my queue of like, okay. I want to check this out for a couple different reasons. But so, uh, did you watch The Wire? No. You've, you've told me about The Wire. I'm not going to go. It's on my list. I'm not going to go a crazy wire on you right now. But what I will say is if you have watched The Wire and you enjoy The Wire, uh, part of what is really great about it, there's kind of two dudes that are behind it. Like they're the big showrunners. And one of them is a former detective. And one of them was a det- was a uh, reporter for the Baltimore Sun. In real life? In real life. Ooh. So you've got someone who has true crime experience and you have yeah. someone who reported on true crime for years. So they synced up and they were like, let's tell the story of Baltimore and let's tell the story of not just Baltimore, but kind of like crime and all the different levels of like street crime and executive crime and all the like yeah. in between stuff. So it's just, it's really, it's very well written. But so through that, I kind of gleaned a little bit of, uh, an appreciation to that publication of the Baltimore Sun. So these two reporters, so there's this guy, Luke Broadwater, and uh, he now works for the Sun, and Stephen Janis, so he was uh, he's with The Real News now. But for about a decade, they covered these stories and, like, the follow-ups through the Baltimore Examiner. Um, the first victim, so this is back in 2003, so she's attacked in a park in the middle of the night. So uh, she's found in Lincoln Park. Oh, no. So do you know? Yeah. The Adnan. Adnan. Serial. Yeah. Like, if you want to dump a body, where do you dump a body in Baltimore? Lincoln Park. So she's found in Lincoln Park. She had her ears, <gasps> some say cut off, uh-huh. some say bitten off. Oh. But her ears are missing. Okay. But she's found alive. <gasps> what? Um, so this is Baltimore City Police Sergeant uh, Kelvin uh, Sewell. 
He says, this is uh, in the show, this is quoted, her ear was chewed off. Normal people don't do that. This is kind of how they're, so that happens in 2003. So in in this show, apparently, like, she's interviewed, um, they interview, like, a couple detectives that had something to do it, like, they're they're kind of taking you back in time and kind of telling the story of the investigation mm-hmm. towards this. So I forgot. Uh, I mean, I missed. Yeah, it. she's in Lincoln Park and she gets attacked. I think she's she... attacked in Lincoln Park. Okay. I don't and think she's moved. She she's violated and yes. she's not chewed on essentially, and then left for she's, dead. She's raped and mutilated left and for left dead. for dead, okay. but doesn't die. She's okay. discovered and and lives. Okay. Uh, the second victim doesn't live. Okay. Also. Uh, raped and attacked and, and mutilated. So the Baltimore Sun, so one of the articles I found is the Baltimore Sun talking about this show. So it's someone who like is currently on staff. This is a show. It's on cable. The The victim is speaking out like her name scrolls across the bottom. But in this article of them talking about this show, they say uh, they don't name her. Mm-hmm. And they say it is Baltimore Sun policy to never name the victim of a sexual crime, regardless of whatever type of publicity comes after the fact or proceeding. So they go, even if it's the most famous person in the world and you know what the name is, we will never print the name of a sexual victim. And I thought that was kind of an interesting take from a journalist standpoint. Of, they, they just They just hold it. They yeah. just hold that line. So he, I believe he rapes and kills three people. And... It kind of goes through years and years. The victim from the first crime ends up being a witness in his trial because she she's alive and she remembers. So they end up getting William Vincent Brown. He's sentenced to 50. This is in 2011. So the first crime's in 2003. So it takes many years to finally catch him and get him. Is this just a dude out in the park? This is just a dude out in the park. Okay. He would go after um, known drug addicts. He would, he would go after people he felt like oh so he get to know them didn't like have a network or he would kind of snap judgment yeah seems like this is the world this person spins in um, I'm probably gonna get away with this um, he's sentenced to 50 years in prison with connection to the three crimes committed in 2003 so they're pretty like in secession in those years so it's hard to know did more crimes happen after the fact before he was caught because all he got pinned on him were three crimes in one year and it's hard to imagine that either preceding that or after that that he didn't that nothing else happened and that's the like you never know from a prosecution standpoint do they do the police know like here's file xyz that we're pretty sure is william or whoever Mm -hmm. But we know that we have ABC on him, so let's get him on ABC. We can close these three files, X, Y, Z, because we know who it is. But mm-hmm. to like, I, I don't know at what level you're ignoring prosecution to save time, money, heartache, all those things. And how much you tell the families. Like, I just, I don't know currently where we sit. Yeah. With that level of... What a weird... What an interesting, not, yeah, more interesting place to commit your crimes because I feel like Lincoln Park is such a hub yeah. of murder. So who's to say what was 
involved with him. But it's also like, and like you're, you, you hike, like you're like, there's, when you think of large cities and we're a little bit different because we're kind of surrounded by wilderness. Mm -hmm. But when you think of major metropolitan areas and you have green spaces and you have these huge and Lincoln Park, like to my understanding, Lincoln Park is giant, Mm -hmm. especially in a big hub like that. So you've got this big area that's full of wilderness in that there aren't trails and then you have trail systems through it. Like, I'll bet people go mountain biking through Lincoln Park. I'll mm-hmm. bet there's people who go birding in Lincoln Park. Like, there's stuff that happens in there. And I'm curious at what level, like, if you live 20 minutes from Lincoln Park, because it sounds like suburbia is very close, mm-hmm. would you, Drea, mm-hmm. never go there because bodies get found, because people get injured? Would you go, but only if you're with another per- like? At what level do you decide the danger aspect because you're not buying drugs in Lincoln Park? You're not turning tricks in Lincoln Park. Like, how do you decide, how do you decipher the danger level in those parks in a city? Without knowing the full extent at this moment in time, I would only go there with another human. At Mm -hmm. this point, I'm having Kyle. That you know. I have Kyle checking under the bed in the closet for perpetrators, you know, um, I know, for was, perpetrators. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I I have an active imagination, but yeah. I feel like I don't know. Also, being a woman, it's hard to go out. Yeah, just to the grocery store sometimes. So I think it. And I am the, talking to someone who doesn't want to pump gas by themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And it's not because I'm scared. It's because I don't like human interaction. (laughs) (laughs) I just, oh, God. I worked in customer service for so long. I I just don't want to talk to anyone anymore. That's so funny. Um, No, but, I mean, with the reputation like Linkin Park has, I don't think I would ever go out there alone. Which is which is sad because like for an urban area, you want a place to go to out nature. I don't know where I sit on it because I... There are parts of me where I want to be like, I'm not going to let that inhibit statistics and like, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. But then there's also just like your own gut feeling. as to be like, I don't think I should. I remember backpacking. Like I was with a group of people and we're all backpacking. And this solo chick in her early 20s just goes like backpacking past us. And we're days out. And I remember like, and we chatted with her for a hot. I was like, oh, she's super fun. Like, like I was so impressed and proud of her, but mm-hmm. at the same time being like, I'm never going to do that. Oh. I mean, when I when I go camping, I still think someone's going to slash through my tent and come kill me. I there's, don't think that's... There's so many stories. So many stories. Like the that. Appalachian Mountains where those two guys were out there on like a fishing trip, essentially. And that guy comes by and he's like, oh, what are you guys doing? He looks a little haggard. He has a dog. Oh, you've told me. And this they're is like, a great, that's a great story. They're like, come back to our camp. Like, we'll yeah. feed you. And next thing you know, he's Where like, did you get this story? I think I I heard this on My Favorite Murder. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fantastic. And they like both survive i think they both but it's insane like every every time out there i'm like this is it this is it i'm gonna see the knife through the tent like i'm this is me i guess i would say i feel more comfortable the likelihood of being attacked outdoors in the Uh wilderness while there are very there are scary stories about it that is so much less common than heavy population yeah city crime i always think i'm gonna get attacked I'm gonna you. I'm a lock. I lock my door now. You have changed the fact. I used to never lock my door, which is insane. I'm not gonna say where you live or how you live, but that's insane. But you get why I didn't. 
But I... No! I get why you should. Ugh. To me, you locked your door so you didn't get robbed. In my mind, mm. you locked your door so you didn't get robbed. Yeah. And I felt like, one, I don't have m- many things that are worth robbing me of. Or at least that other people... <laughs> <laughs> That is the most valuable thing, Jackie. <laughs> I was going to get to that point. Oh, that's funny. Okay. No, but I feel I feel like either either I have very few things where you like you'd come in and see dollar signs, mm-hmm. or you don't know how expensive the shit I have is because it's super niche and you'd have to be in that world to get how expensive it is mm-hmm. uh but no you have indicated to your nether regions and yes i don't want anyone to steal <laughs> what's happening down there so that's why i locked my door yeah, <laughs> like now i lock my Good. door because you've kind of highlighted that because yeah. i would not lock my door like when i'm home that was my weird thing I, when i'm home i would lock my door yeah but i would not lock my door when i wasn't home because then it was like annoying when I'd want to get into my house and I needed keys. Yeah. So I just wouldn't lock the door. I'd be like, well, I'm not there. No one's going to take anything. It's fine. The idea of someone hiding mm. to get me or my stuff. Crawl space. The crawl yeah, space I just, it people. Didn't, yeah. I, that didn't seem like a real fear to me. Yeah. Uh, but I lock my door now. Thank you. Always. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, never, of- never going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> out of all of that. Jackie, to wrap up everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. are you listening, reading, looking at? I'm. I was intrigued by my story. Yeah. I, so I want to check out that. It's. Uh, what did I say? I, ID is the name of the channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to look into that. Game of Thrones obviously is N- newer. Oh, new. Yeah. For, forefront. Now. I'm not. No spoilers, but that shit is rad. What about you? Oh, um, I'm currently listening to Teacher's Pet. Oh, yeah. We were talking um, about, you were asking me if I had recommended that. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I didn't recommend it yeah, to you. Yeah, because you, I think you had recommended Shit Town to me. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Okay, Shit Town. So that's what I meant to listen to, but sometimes something keyed into me, like, yeah. look up Teacher's Pet. So I started looking and those, up. And they sound like very different podcasts. Yes. So this one is True Crime. Shit Town is just like slice of life. I don't want to give anything away. Okay. It's just kind of slice of life. Slice of life. Okay. Um, Teacher's Pet is two Australian brothers. They're twins. They kind of go in a parallel life to each other, and one gets into more gritty um, crime-related stuff. Um, And he is never arrested for his crimes, um, but there is a murder involved. So it's interesting to kind of see the path that all goes down. Teacher's Pet. Teacher's Pet. Um, Who did tell you about that? I'm not sure. I've read about it, but I don't think yeah. I talked about it Yeah, I feel it like you. I didn't want to touch it because I felt weird, like the name and stuff. It's a gross sounding name. Yeah, and it is, like, it's somewhere. It's unpleasant. Um, But at the same time, watching Game of Thrones and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> That's your little sweet spot. <laughs> oh, and you guys, just to let you know, 
I don't know if you've seen our sticker, but we've kind of showed a, our sticker on water bottles yes. and like out on our Instagram. And it's a good sticker. I it's, it's my own thing, so yeah. you know, take it with a grain of salt. But that's a quality sticker. Michelle Firm, our yes. uh, logo designer, yeah. kind of like made this logo for us on the side. She does Slash a, check out her website because her stickers she makes are beautiful. Amazing artwork with watercolors. It's beautiful. It's nature like focused. It's amazing. Um, so she decided to help us with our logo and she helped us make stickers. Mm-hmm. And so we have these amazing stickers. They're weatherproof, waterproof. Put just, them on your hydro flask. They're amazing. Your they're vinyl. Um, they are now for sale on our website. So if you love our podcast and you love stickers, um, I don't know, go check out our website and Pop buy on one if you like it. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening. Boom. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesigns.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.